Blog Talk Radio. If it's smooth jazz, then the jazz queen is talking about it on Talking Smooth Jazz. Your place for all things smooth. With the smoothest show on the internet radio, your host, the Jazz Queen. Happy New Year and welcome to a new decade. Welcome to Talking Smooth Jazz. My name is Terry, a.k.a. the Jazz Queen. I'm so happy to be back with you again for the 12th year. Yes, this is my 12th year doing this show, so I'm back. And I want to welcome Joe in Germany. Hey, Josh, and Happy New Year to you. Thank you for hanging out in the chat room. If you would like to join us in the chat room, please visit TalkingSmoothJazz.com and click on the Listen Live button under uh, Spontaneous Grooving Combustions picture that will bring you into the chat room. The phone number is 646-716-5485-646-716-5485. We welcome your calls questions and our comments. For my guest today, saxophonist Warren Keller. He is the founder of Spontaneous Grooving Combustion. And Warren, I have to ask you about that title. <laughs> He's the woodwind, is the composer and the producer um, of the band. So welcome to the show, Warren. Nice to have you. Thank you so much, Terry, and Happy New Year to you. And congratulations on your 12th season. Very happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to have you. So, of course, I have to start with the name of the band, Spontaneous <laughs> Grooving Combustion. Please tell us how that came about. So do you have any ideas? No, I don't. <laughs> okay, well, there's that. I, I have a bit of a, as many guys especially, male of the species, have somewhat morbid fascinations with things. So mm-hmm. Spontaneous Human Combustion, hadn't hadn't escaped my uh, my awareness and as I recall it would have been um, probably in the 90s playing with a jazz uh, ish duo partner we were called Parallel Mm -hmm. 12 which I thought was Mm -hmm. a good name and at some point this name spontaneous groove and combustion came to me and I just had this one little brain cell say you know someday Someday I just might put that to use. So that's where okay. that's where that name comes from. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. So now, um, Warren, you come from a musical family. Tell me about that. I do. Um, my mom and and dad were uh, both um, great classical musicians. Uh, mom. Uh, really just a world class pianist, but but spent most of her career teaching, did some concertizing, had some real high-level students. Dad was an operatic baritone uh, singer and actually named for a New York Metropolitan Opera star named Leonard Warren. I've never liked Warren, but I I think I prefer it over Leonard. So uh, I'm happy with that. And he, um, you know, he, he concertized some in duos with my mom. They both could have really gone on to great careers, but, you know, it was – it was that time in the in the in the fifties, and uh, folks with not a lot of money and, and didn't take the big didn't take the big plunge, didn't go for it fully, didn't take the chance. My sister's a pianist, and uh, my poor sister was put at the piano at two years old <laughs> by my mother, <laughs> um, and I escaped till I was eight years old and started clarinet. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, joining chorus and finding out that my mom had called the high the school and switched me to band and took me out of chorus. So there wasn't much chance of escaping a musical life of some sort. Okay, so that was going to be my next question. Was your choice um, in getting into music, was that your choice or your parents? But I see that it was your parents' choice reluctantly, huh? Yeah, funny, right? But I mean, once I got going, you know, I mean, I had an incredible teacher. Many jazz fans may know Kenny Deverne, who was a top clarinetist and soprano sax, particularly Dixieland. But I studied uh, classical with him. And I mean, once I became really proficient, I I loved music. And then by the time I was 16 years old, um, you know, playing with my best friends in the first rock and funk and disco band 
and eventually going on the road with them, playing the Jersey Shore club scene. It, yeah, sure. It became my mm-hmm. my every my everything, my all in all. To be honest, I was a little bit of a a nerd as a kid, a little bit uh, overweight, you know, kind of the class clown type because I was funny. But but music gave me a sense of being cool and being one of the guys and. And, uh, and, and it was, yeah, yeah, it definitely was, uh, I felt my destiny and what I pursued, uh, for decades after that. Yeah. Now you have not always been in contemporary jazz. You recently just started this, that genre. What were you doing before? That, yeah, that's exactly right, Terry. Um, you know, I've done so much, like I said, you know, classical, um, a little bit of jazz, frankly, as I'll explain a little more. I wasn't a jazz lover. I was very lyrically word-oriented, driven, and uh, played a lot of rock back in the day. Loved funk and good disco and and R&B and blues. And 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 my first exposures to jazz weren't particularly positive. I mean, other than you know, stage band in high school and in college for two years anyway, before I left to go on the road. Um, but uh, but it wasn't a passion. I remember being exposed to Miles Davis at a summer music camp, and it was kind of that bitches brew days, pretty far out there. Uh, the kids were, you know, kind of older than me, and they were sitting up in tree limbs and, 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 and riffing off of one another, and it just all seemed kind of far, pretty far out to me at that point. So... Um, it was, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I pursued, you know, rock and roll in New York city and got fairly close to a couple of uh, major deals. Then I was in Nashville for almost 10 years as a, you know, Nashville, modern country commercial songwriter, again, getting kind of close to real pay dirt and having some, you know, big disappointments when it didn't quite happen. And then, I was essentially done with music. I meant I mentioned to you my my other life in uh, astrophotography, astro imaging, image processing, teaching as an author, and that really became my my salvation. Frankly, for a good solid decade, really helped me heal from the heartbreak of you know missing out on a couple of reasonably close calls with uh, with success. And so truly. And you stop me if I'm talking too much. No, no, <laughs> I, go um, right ahead. It's very interesting. I, I I really let it go. Again, writing two books on the subject of astroimaging, and um, you know I would still pick up the acoustic guitar and and sing a bit, but the horn just stayed you know closed in the case. My wife Christine would beg me to play the thing, and of course, as time was going on, I'm getting rustier. I didn't really ever progress from a Clarence Clemens, you know, although I love Clarence, so, you know, rock and roll, didn't have the sophistication, didn't have the really developed ear for for jazz. And so, again, it was about an hour a year for 10 or 11 years. And it's funny, mm-hmm. I, came, I came downtown to make sure I had a good cell connection with you, and I'm really a stone's throw from a liberal arts college called West Virginia Wesleyan in our little town, and um, it's their jazz program, which was a a phenomenal jazz program for a little liberal arts college, a top Pittsburgh trumpet player doctorate that was the head of the program, a fantastic uh, saxophonist, uh, Clarence, uh, I'm sorry, (laughs) uh, Curtis Johnson, who's a Yamaha clinician and a great player. And these kids that I would hear playing bebop at these Friday festivals blew me away. And the first year, I remember being outside at the year-end concert, and a couple of trumpet players, flugelhorn players, something started to stir in me. The mm-hmm. second year, yeah, the second year I was with two neighbors. My wife was away working, and uh, and I enjoy the neighbors, and it was a nice afternoon. And again, the music was so good. And this time there was a saxophonist, a young guy named Phil Summers. And, oh, my gosh, something, some wall really started to crumble. I'm getting almost a little frequent here. Uh, and and, and I, went home, I went home from that and took my Selmer Mark 610 around of the case in sort of a reverential way, almost like it was on an altar. And that began, that was the end of 2015, that began, 
this uh, this renaissance of just uh, you know trying new horns and mouthpieces and setups, practicing daily, studying a little bit of theory, jamming for hours and hours and hours to Pandora or to watercolors, and and and, and really just in, uh, you know gobbling up the history of, of, of straight ahead jazz and just reading everything I could. Of course, we all, we all know Miles, we know Coltrane, but, but anecdotally, I didn't know the stories of so many of them. And uh, it was a very mm-hmm. emotional thing. It was, I tend to just cram <laughs> anything. Yeah. You know, my, I'm always, it's always one passion and whatever that passion is at that time, I just completely immerse myself in. And, um, really worked hard at it and um somewhere midway um because frankly Terry you know I, I and your listeners will forgive me you know smooth jazz it kind of has that at least in the past had that connotation of almost elevator music right just kind yeah. of background yeah. music and and maybe the mellowest of mellow like let's say Kenny G tends to be um but when I and I don't even know how quite I got exposed to it, but I was like, oh my gosh! First of all, mm. the, the elements of modern contemporary—and I really like to call it contemporary or contemporary smooth—the um, elements of funk and Latin and world music, and you know, all of this phenomenal stuff going on today. All these great players, and uh, and and at some point, like I said, probably twenty. 17 I'm like no this this is this is my path now I love this music I've written more words than I could ever want to write ever again you know I said everything I wanted to say worked hard on lyrics and words and stories and national and I was you know broken from it really exhausted from it and to be able to express myself with instrumental music you know just purely riffs and grooves and all of that I was like dang this is this is it love it and so at what point did you decide to put together spontaneous groove and combustion? You know, it's funny. It's very, it's very typical of my personality. We all, we all should know ourselves pretty well. Right. And, and even though there are mysteries to, to ourselves, sometimes I, I'm very aware that when I get good at something, I start thinking, hmm, what can I do with this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, where, mm-hmm. where can I take this? And so I think probably at the end of 2018, I, you know, I was recording at home. Um, I sprung after, after, you know, uh, dragging my feet for about a year, I sprung for some very sophisticated software that would allow me to do a lot of things at home. Um, you know, with a digital audio workstation and such. And I've always had a, a feel and a flair and an enjoyment of production and all of that. And so I started to record and doing probably the first six were pretty kind of straight ahead jazz. I mean, you know, I'm never a bebop player. I'm never going to call myself because I think that's kind of the ultimate difficult uh, music. But but I can keep up with, with, with some hard bop and, and, and a lot of, uh, you know, um, a lot of jazz forms. Um, and and about, about six tunes in, again, I started to become more aware of what was going on on the contemporary scene, saying, no, this is really where I live and what I'd love to do, and started, you know, very, because, melo- you know, as a, as a songwriter, especially the Nashville thing, it's all about riffs and books and repeatability and memorable stuff, right? And so um, that's kind of where where I come from. And even though it's wordless, you know, instrumental tunes and not songs anymore, it's, for me it's all about that hook, that catchy riff. And I started to get them. They started to come to me. So by the beginning of, I think right around December of uh, 2018, um, I, I just put it out to the wind. I, I had some stuff up on, you know, Bandcamp and uh, – you know, what's that other one I can't think of uh, right now? Um, and, you know, you get a few hits and you get a few likes, and it wasn't satisfying enough to me. And I said, you know what? I really think this is kind of good. So I put some emails uh, out there. And, you know, I hate to get into that uh, uh, fatalistic meant-to-be mentality because I've been there <laughs> two or three times before in my musical career. But within a day 
or two, I was contacted by ASL uh, music promotion and media, Adam Leibowitz in, uh, oh, yeah. in uh, do you know Adam? In, in, uh-huh. in, in, in what is it, San Miguel, uh, Southern California. And I was contact, uh, contacted by uh, Sandy Shore at smoothjazz.com in Northern California, both within a day or so. And they said, hey, we like what you're doing. We think some of this would work for contemporary radio. And so uh, that began the ride, actually, the first single being released uh, April of uh, 2019. Ah, awesome, awesome. So now. I know that you have already released two singles from the um, upcoming EP, and you are working on that upcoming EP. So let's start with the artist that you're working with on that, and then I'll get into some music. Um, What last thing you said was? The artists that are working with you? Right. So, you know, unfortunately uh, for me, because I love musicians and I love musical camaraderie, um, those records are, are, are largely myself. And again, you know, the modern miracle of, of tracks and samples and some really top players that are available today. So, of course, I don't have, the, unfortunately, the kind of budget to hire top session people, but uh, through the miracle of, uh, you know, again, a very sophisticated software called... Uh, Band in a Box, Real Band by um, PG Music, a Canadian company. You know, I've got access to Jeff Lorber, Alex Al, Michael White, Michael Johnson. Um, and it's, a, again, very interesting. I, I write the charts. I write the arrangements, the tempo, choose the groove, uh, the chords. And I'm able to generate parts uh, from little snippets of, of these top players that are um, – you know that are licensed through the software. Um, so yeah. it's me on sa- it's me on Saxon flute. It's typically Jeff Lorber on keyboards, and Vernon uh, uh, Barbary, if you're familiar with, or again Alex Al on bass, uh, Dwight Sills or um, Michael Michael Johnson on on guitar, um, Third Richardson or uh, Michael White on drums, and and so. Uh, about the same time, and again, you know, you hate to, I, I hate, I hate to do that, oh, it's meant to be kind of a thing, because I've, um, I've had my face ground into the sand about seemingly miraculous things over the years, but about the same time, I met a young 27-year-old uh, singer, writer, uh, guitarist, rock, rock and roll primarily, a little bit of rap, and so I play weekends in this terrific rock and roll quartet, which gives me that camaraderie and that fun and that, that click with live musicians. Unfortunately, to date, spontaneous groove and combustion is, uh, is, is Warren Keller, essentially. I would love to have a band to do some festivals and take on the, take on the road a bit. But as of right now, partially living in West Virginia, which isn't exactly jazz central, um, that's that's the story of SGC to date. Okay. All right. I'm talking to saxophonist Warren Keller of Spontaneous Grooving Combustion um, about their upcoming release EP. And there are a couple of singles that have already been released. I'm going to start with Spy versus Spy. Tell me about this one. Hmm. Spy versus Spy, I, I came up with... You know, it's funny when I when I when I first started recording again, like I mentioned to you, I would always have these very clear riffs in mind, hooks, and build the track around that, build the arrangement. But once I started down contemporary smooth, and it's interesting because it's so riff and hook driven, it was the opposite. I kind of sit down, come up with a cool chord progression, a cool groove. And then be sweating bullets like, well, what's the, what's the melody for this one? And thank thank goodness in the eleventh hour it would often come. So that that lick came to me, and I thought, man, this reminds me, got that that reminiscent feel of, of those '60s spy espionage shows, Man from Uncle, whatever it is. Oh yeah, that was one of my favorite shows. I love that show. 
Yeah, I'm showing, we're showing our age a little bit, right? And yeah. Mannix, you know, Mannix had a great team, mm-hmm. so on. And so, um, so that really was the and – then, and then I thought, you know what? Spy versus Spy from Mad Magazine, the black and the white, bad, good spy guys. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you heard of the new um, reality show, spy show, called Spy Games that's coming up? No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's going to be on Bravo, so I think I might check that out. But, yeah, when I saw your title of the single, that made me think of that new reality show coming on called Spy Games. Right. You're using, you know, real real espionage-type scenarios for these people. So it should right. be interesting. Yeah, yeah, should be interesting. All right, so let's take a listen to Spy versus Spy. Here you go. Cool. Thanks.
Five versus Five from Warren Keller's upcoming release, A Spontaneous Grooving Combustion. And do you have a release date for that? You know, it's interesting. And again, as you pointed out, I'm relatively new kid on the block and Adam Leibowitz, again, my record promoter in, uh, in SoCal, he's very single oriented. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, you know, concentrating on getting hopefully good singles out there, uh, building the, the name and the uh, brand awareness. And then as I've accumulated, you know, let's say six solid tunes, which I, which I, I have in the can. I mean, cause obviously, uh, you know, we'll talk about the new release due February 1st. So that's three. And I think there's, you know, three more really solid stuff that I'm confident about. So, you know, when the, I, I, I don't know that we're going to release six singles before the EP is actually available, but I'm, I'm not in a rush about it. And nobody has necessarily said, you know, well, you, you need that, you need that EP out there. Cause obviously people are buying less and less optical media, right? As far as an actual CD. And it's also shocking that streaming has overtaken downloads so dramatically. So as long as it's, you know, doing well out there on, you know, digital and FM broadcasters and, uh, you know, some of the streaming services. Um, yeah, so that EP is definitely something I'd, I'd love to do. Um, it will be eponymous. It'll be called Spontaneous Groove and Combustion. And, again, at, at, uh, at some point, it will definitely happen. I've changed the date, <laughs> changed the date once from 2019 to 2020. So, as you can tell, I'm a pretty transparent, not honest person. So, <laughs> that that's where we stand on it. Okay. In my research, I found a write-up on you on AllAboutJazz.com. I mean, talk about a song you wrote called "Top of My Head," sung by Billy Bob Shane. Um, but that the minor rewrites nearly drove you mad. And you said, for the first time, it enabled me to emotionally detach from my babies and gain the confidence to dissect and reconstruct lyrics to attain perfectly crafted results and to get songs published. Now, with your transition from rock and country music to jazz, how has that helped you with writing instrumental music? I think it, I think there's, there's some... Uh, more emotional um, um, component when when a story and words and lyrics are combined. At least for me, you know, it's some it's a different part of my brain uh, for some reason. And it was actually, you know, kind of the classic writer personality. You know, a little bit manic, <laughs> a little bit bipolar. It was really it was really difficult, especially in Nashville when it's so literal, you know, every word's got to count. They talk about economy of lyrics. You don't waste the line. You don't waste the word. You're trying to drive, you know, a story home in, in two and a half to three and a half minutes. Um, so instrumentally, it's a little bit, it's a, it's a little bit less painful when, when when smoothjazz.com or Adam says, you know, this is a really good tune, but would you consider a radio edit? Um, and so I've had to do that, and it's really just a, for me, it's kind of just a technical, like a like a surgeon, you know, performing micro microsurgery. It's really just about the cuts and the pace and the yeah. edits, as opposed to, a, and of course, I'm very uh, there's a lot of trepidation trying to get it perfect and everything, but it doesn't have for me that that same emotional component. I'm like, oh no, that's a great line. No, <laughs> you can't get rid of that word. But I'm not a big fan. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say I'm not a big fan of radio edits, but I understand why they do it. But you know, right. I like to hear the entire song. You know, don't cut out any parts of it. Just play the entire thing. But I understand why radio does that. But I'm just not a big yeah, fan. Yeah, I that. mean, as as music lovers, you know, you and I, if there's great solos, whatever, we, you know, we we're we're open to hearing that. As yeah. a new artist, as a new artist, you know, a newer artist with so much good competition out there, um, you know, when pros tell you, you know, what radio will be more friendly if there's less soloing and more hook these days, mm-hmm. uh, then then I've got to go with that. I'm not going to, you know, uh, stand on some 
some grand, uh, you know, what's the word, integrity. Oh, you know, it's it's violating my integrity. No, okay. You need you need one solo out of there. Okay, this was this one wasn't so great, and let's give you that that hook again. So yeah, I agree with you, but by the same token, um, if you can get it in in four and a half minutes, you're you're better off than with a six a six minute tune. But is it in a challenge for you, and I'm sure all all musicians, to determine what to cut out of a song, to keep that, you know, to keep that integrity of the song? Isn't that a challenge to determine what to take out? Yeah, sometimes it, sometimes it would be sure if you like all the solos, you think man, yeah. you know that 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 really nailed it, and everybody's doing a good job on it. We just wanted to keep going and going and going. Um, mm-hmm. and, and at some point, you know, at some point, perhaps if if uh, spontaneous groove and combustion uh, continues to build uh, on the successes of, of of this year, I might say, no, you know, wait a second now, <laughs> I think mm-hmm. that's just the way it is, you know, uh, you know, like Don McLean with American Pie or, you know, any of these um, songs that broke the model of you can't, you can't do a song that long. Uh, but right now, I don't want to say I'm playing it safe. Uh, I'm doing what I want to do, love to do, and I'm producing stuff that I, that I, that I think is pretty darn good. But again, as a newer artist, when you're looking at so much content, at least half of which is really good. Um, yeah, I'm definitely willing to to make the compromise. Okay, so Joe in Germany posted in the chat room about the last uh, about the song "Spy versus Spy." He says that band is on fire. <laughs> Thank you. I've heard that before, and I love hearing it. So keep it keep it going. All right. So the next track is "Kicking It." Tell me about this one. You know, it's funny. And, and I think, Terry, this really is funny. Um, so I told you about my, my former life as a you know songwriter and a lyrical guy and a word guy and I'm a technical writer. I was like seven tunes into the recording process, and they were called, you know what they were called, Terry? What? Tune, tune one, tune two, <laughs> yeah. tune three. I, I, I could not name them. I felt A, disingenuous. How do you give a tune a name? Uh, what if it's the wrong name? So I had an acquaintance uh, from Facebook who used to be a big fan and follower of my first cover band back on the Jersey Shore, and I knew he was a smooth jazz freak. And he went on the cruises and the whole deal, right? So I'm like, Jeff, Listen to these tunes and uh, give me some ideas for for titles. And so he came up with Kicking It, which after the fact, there was at least one tune, I think it was a Gerald Albright from maybe a decade ago, called the same thing. But for some very funny reason, that totally broke the wall down. I'm like, oh, wait a second. Okay, this is Spy versus Spy. This is, you know... This is Tribeca. I just I just started being able to name it, and 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 I had a smooth jazz fan I was talking to recently say, say to me and unsolicited by myself. He's like, how do how do they name these things? And I said, you know, I think it's the interaction again between musicians. You know, the, again the fun and the and the vibe that you get when you get together with players. And somebody says, well, how about this? Or you know, this reminds me of some funny thing. Yada yada. Of course, I don't have that that luxury, the spontaneous grooving combustion right now. But yeah, it's funny. Jeff uh, broke that wall down, and uh, just easy as pie to name. So he actually named Kick It. It's funny. I was listening to the radio yesterday, and the um, DJ was playing a song. And at the end of the song, he said the name of the song was Track Number Six. So apparently, that artist <laughs> could not come up with the name for the song either, and just left it at Track Number Six. <laughs> right. Right. All right. right. I have a review that I want to read uh, from smoothjazz.com about kicking it. It says saxophonist, flutist, and composer Warren Keller is sparking new fires in smooth jazz with his tight, funky, old schooling ensemble, spontaneous grooving combustion. The explosive debut single, Kicking It, is feisty, high-octane fun, loaded with jangling guitars, retro guitars, and dynamic home arrangements centered around Keller's funky sax melody. Nice little review there. 
Here is Kicking It. Joe in the chat room says that one has a nice flow and some subtle harmonies. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. All right. That is from Warren Keller's upcoming EP, Spontaneous Grooving Combustion. Definitely look out for that. I have one more track that I'm going to play. This one has not been released yet, and it's called Jackie's New Car. But before I play that, Warren, you mentioned earlier about being an astro imager, and I'd really like to talk to you a little bit more about that. Um, First of all, where can the listeners find your images? That would be anybody that's a Carl Sagan uh, from Cosmos fan, as he used to say, billions and billions of stars. Mm-hmm. And my website is literally www.billionsandbillions.com. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. 
I would love you to love folks to visit. I, uh, I, you know, again, uh, on the tail end of uh, a couple of incarnations of, of uh, near musical success again in rock and country, uh, this astrophotography, astroimaging began as a hobby and really saved my, my life. And, uh, and, be, and I became a world-renowned artist and, and author on subject. So by all means, uh, billionsandbillions.com, have a peek and drop me an email. And now, are you still doing it? I I I am. I mean, it's it's okay. it's a large part of my small of my of my meager uh, humble income. Uh, music is definitely my my focus again. Uh, but again, mm-hmm. have built such such a reputation that it would be foolish at this point for me to uh, turn my back on education in in that arena. And of course, you know it's expensive to promote a record and to uh, yeah. and to, and to get it out there. So very much, uh, you know, it's kind of the two passions of of my life. And, and and if given the choice at this point, I feel like I've, you know, made my bones, made my name in astroimaging, and really would love to uh, devote more and more time to to spontaneous groove and combustion. Okay. All right. Well, listeners, definitely go and check out his beautiful imaging. Um, I did go to the website and, and saw some of your some beautiful photography. Again, the website is billionandbillions.com. So definitely go and check that out and um, send him a comment. Let him know what you think about his work. All right. So the I'm going to close the show with Jackie's new car. And you sent me the um, artwork for this. Let's go with the artwork first. Tell me about that. Yeah, so Carrie, you will be the very first uh, to to play this on uh, on, on a commercial uh, entity. It's going to be released February first, uh, so you can look for it at uh, you know smoothjazz.com and Spotify and Apple Music and uh, Amazon Music, and of course our website www.spontaneousgroovingcombustion.com. And we'd love you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Boy, I'm a I'm a I'm a bundle of words. Um, so that that <laughs> so okay. that so that so that you know so that artwork is uh, done by Robert um, Robert uh, McNeil of Sundial Media. He's uh, Robert's actually Will Donato's manager, and he's got a very vibrant company that does everything from electronic press kits to mailing of CDs for record promoters to single and album art and going into booking. So he's he's a great guy and does a lot of great work. So I said, and he's an artist, you know, he's a visual artist. I'm like, Robert, the new tune is Jackie's new car. It's like, I don't know if I should give you backstory or just let you run with it first. They said, well, mm-hmm. let, me, let, me, let me run with it first. So he came up with three images that were really cool. You know, they had one had a, a young girl dressed in funky clothes in front of a little Mini Cooper car. Another one was like a rear end of a of a big Mustang Mach One with the license plate Jackie on it. And I didn't like the third one. It was very reminiscent of like a late fifties uh, uh, Blue Note jazz record type of look to it. And so I said, okay, they're, they're, you know, two of them were really cool. I said, let me tell you what the story is. So Jackie is Jack, uh, is Black Jack, who's my black lab slash hound dog. And Jack loves to go for rides in cars. So, you know, he loves to walk in the woods, but he loves to go for rides. So that was the inspiration uh, for Jackie's new car. So I said, Robert, you know, as long as you think it's not uncool to incorporate some of that and that it'll be good in the genre that you know so well with smooth jazz. I'm like, I'm totally into 1938 and 1939 coupes, you know, like Ford and Chevy coupes from the mm-hmm. late thirties. And Jack is my, my dog, you know? So he put that together and, and I thought that, so it's very close. It's not official. Like I said, it's, uh, if you if you intend on posting it all, let me send you an update of it. Uh, but it's close. We'll probably just tweak the, the font a little bit, maybe the background color. So that's the story behind the the art and, and the tune, really. And I love the way Jack, your dog, is sitting there with the keys in his mouth, like I'm ready to go. Come on, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah, right now. Now my Jack's a little bit older. 
got a little bit of white in the face and the chest, and he's more black lab, and that's that that guy's a little chocolate labby, but yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's about perfect, and he's got the little J on the on the dog's fob, so it's it's really cool. Ah, well, Warren, it has been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for reaching out to me. I really appreciate it, um, and uh, you know, I look forward to the full release of the EP as well. And again, let everyone know where they can find you on social media. Right. So, uh, Facebook, Spontaneous Groove and Combustion. Um, Twitter is Spontaneous underscore GC. And I'm not positive about Twitter, but it's some variation of uh, spontaneous groove and combustion. Of course, again, the the website uh, combustion.com. And there's a nice story there and a place to go buy music and go stream music. And Terry, I'm I'm thrilled that I did because uh, reach out to you because it's been fun, it's been wonderful, and I really enjoyed my time with you. And I hope we can do it again sometime. Uh, ditto, ditto. And also, I want to let the listeners know you can find them on Instagram at Spontaneous Groovin. And that's G-R-O-O-V-I-N, Spontaneous and, Groovin. And, and, and so if that's Instagram, then Twitter is Spontaneous underscore GC. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. All right. So we again, I will close the show with the new with the latest single. Um, you're hearing it first from Talking Smooth Jazz. Thank you for that, Warren. This is called Jackie's New Car. Let me thank Joe in Germany for hanging out in the chat room. Thank you, Joe. Always good to see you. Um, Warren, thank you again. It was a pleasure having you on. Danke, Terry, and danke, Joe. And spread the word, spontaneous. <laughs> yes, yeah, spread the word. <laughs> yes, exactly. You've been listening to Talking Smooth Jazz with your host, the Jazz Queen, and I look forward to Talking Smooth Jazz with you again next time. From saxophonist Warren Keller's upcoming EP, Spontaneous Grooving Combustion, this is the latest single scheduled to be released in February called Jackie's New Car. Everyone have a great day. Thank you. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Talking Smooth Jazz. Follow the Jazz Queen on Twitter at Jazz underscore Queen on Facebook and Instagram at Talking Smooth Jazz. And visit the website TalkingSmoothJazz.com